Welcome to On the Edge of Equity, where every episode features crucial conversations centered on equity, diversity, and inclusion. But this isn't just talking the talk. It's about inspiring action, asking tough questions, and getting honest answers, because that's the only way that real change happens. Welcome again to On the Edge of Equity, which is our brand new podcast that is powered by Athena Communications. If you are ready to have the important, critical, crucial conversations that are centered on equity, diversity, and inclusion, this is the place where we're not just having the talk, but we are inspiring action. And if you're ready to help move our communities forward, from a place of the edge of equity to a place of true justice and inclusion, we invite you to tune in biweekly to On the Edge of Equity. As with conversations that we have had in the past, I am delighted and excited to welcome Dr. Brandon Curry, who is the founder and CEO of Strive 365 to the On the Edge podcast. Welcome, Dr. Curry. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That's a an unbelievable introduction. I'm, I'm so excited now. I'm already thinking about when can I come back. Man, we want to have you back again and again. As I told you in, in our conversation prior to this, that I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Excited about the work that Strive 365 is doing. Athena is proud to partner with you all on that work. Let's do a little bit of level setting. Tell folks a little bit about who you are and who Strive 365 is and really what was the catalyst in bringing you back home. Yeah, definitely. Sounds good. Um, me personally, born and raised right here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, K through 12, attended Milwaukee Public Schools before going to Brown Deer High School. Growing up, tennis and sports were extremely important to me. So that was kind of the core of who I was and what I did. Very competitive, but just loved to be challenged. Mm-hmm. Um, and didn't realize it to now, but sports actually set me on a track of where I am, where you look at uh, being disciplined, being a good teammate, sure. being able to collaborate, mm-hmm. you know, all the core values that I think that I have and I think our organization has kind of came from athletics and even a lot of our team members have a background in sports or some kind of connection to athletics. Sure. Uh, even though what we do isn't just about sports, it's just one of those vehicles that can be used to make connections sure. to the community and to other people. What's your sport? So my sport is actually tennis. Yeah. Love tennis. So father introduced it to me at, a, at an early age, took a liking to it. Uh, started to perform really well, was one of the top players, was the top player in the state, top players in the Midwest and in the mm. country, actually. You better brag about it. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I did my, I did my right. thing on the court. Uh, <laughs> so I think I love the fact that I didn't look like mm. most tennis players. There were a few growing up. Arthur Ashe was one of the uh, few black mm-hmm. males that played and just seeing what he went through and you know, how he was still able to play at a high level, but more so just his demeanor and mm-hmm. approach off the court was uh, empowering and was a motivator for me, too. So I like to kind of 
create my own lane, so to speak, mm-hmm. not just follow the flock. Sure. Kind of create your own path and do the things that you enjoy doing. And tennis was one of them for me. So really set the tone. You're on an island, really. Mm. There's no coaching. There's no timeouts. There's no time limit. There's no pointing the finger. You know, if I got more playing time, if we had another 10 seconds mm-hmm. on the clock, none of that. There's a start and a finish. And, uh, you know, if it's 105 degrees, it's 105 degrees on the other side of the court, too. Yeah. If it's windy, it's windy on the whole, you know, not mm-hmm. just on your side. Mm-hmm. So you always have to adapt, problem solve, figure things out and hold yourself accountable. Sure. I think that's what drove me to play. How much of that has influenced the work that you do at and with Strive? So I think that concept of problem solving and being committed to change, figuring things out is in a way what inspired Strive to to begin, Mm -hmm. to start, uh, was the idea that a lot of individuals, specifically youth, need support And they need a place of refuge or they need a platform where they have uh, additional resources and individuals offering them insight into self first. Mm. Uh, And so, you know, with the idea of Strive was, you know, I worked as a guidance counselor for about 12 years. So I would consistently see students coming in, having different social, emotional issues and struggles um, in school, but also at home and in the community. In that, I was like, man, we need to offer more support. And too often we just think, oh, teachers need to do more. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, that's not how it, that's not always the case, right? They're doing everything they can. You know, you got class sizes of 35 students to one person or one teacher, and they have to teach this curriculum and teach these standards and meet these expectations. And then on the other side, deal with 35 individuals and all of the social emotional struggles they're they're dealing with. And so it's hard. They need support. They need uh, outside organizations to come in and partner and working together. And so my whole thing and our whole thing at Strive is to be solution based, mm-hmm. not just go off research, not just talk about it, mm-hmm. but be about it. Yes. And so Uh, With the idea, you know, my Ph.D., the focus was on using sports, athletics or engaging activities to connect with the community and build relationships so that you can build rapport and create change. And I had a chance to come back to Milwaukee and implement that with we we got a, a major funder that loved our idea or my idea and wanted to support us. The first phase was obviously putting a great team together, which we have uh, powers and numbers. you got to have the right people in the right place. And then from there, it was just building partnerships, connecting with other great organizations, doing great things, working together with similar missions Mm -hmm. and saying, "Okay, how can we support what you're doing and add another layer to the great things you're doing, Um, not only to the youth in front of you, but also to the staff, the caretakers, and uh, key stakeholders that are passionate about that work. Absolutely. You know, we share in common that Milwaukee is home. Mm -hmm. And so much of what we hear nationally, but also what we've adopted, I think, locally in terms of the challenges that exist here. 
so much of that conversation about who Milwaukee is is rooted in the challenges, even though we recognize that there's greatness and that there are people like you and others that are doing the great work on the ground. Talk to us about how Strive has sort of looked at this approach around trauma. So when we look at, you know, the challenges that we hear, and I'm calling them challenges because Mm -hmm. Milwaukee is my hometown, it's my city. And so while I think that there are real issues that exist, I'm never going to adopt the language of negativity. I'm going to always say there's an opportunity for us to do better, an opportunity for us to grow. But as you look at this critical need and, and Strive is about solutions and how you are addressing trauma, talk to us about how you see really Strive's role in addressing trauma in our communities and really looking at it as a, in the lens of how it has been dramatically impacted as a result of the pandemic. Right, right. Yeah. So let me try to unpack that. It's a lot of information that's powerful. And when you talk about being intentional, looking at things from a critical lens to make sure that you're very directed at what we're trying to offer and who we're trying to help. Mm -hmm. And so it's easy to look at things from a negative perspective, you know, to be pessimistic and point out all of the negative things, you know, uh, listing certain zip codes, listing incarceration, Mm -hmm. the struggle of people of color. We could sit here all day and talk about those things, but nothing changes if we continue to just talk about it. That's right. So, you know, one of our key Values is that we focus on creating the positive experiences, Hmm. right? So uh, toxic stress or trauma, those things are going to happen. We can't go into every house or every community and stop those things from happening. They're going to occur. The question is, after they happen, what do we do to counteract them, right? What what supports are in place? Mm -hmm. How do you bridge those gaps. And to be honest, I think, you know, obviously the pandemic, we don't even know the impact of the pandemic quite yet. We just know that it's created more trauma, more unrest, more struggle in so many different ways for so many different families uh, that we haven't even seen the true impact of Mm -hmm. it yet. Um, it's almost like we think it's gone. Well, people are still getting it every day. People are still dying. And imagine growing up as a kid where you're walking around and everybody has a mask on and having two and a half years of school taken away from you. Right. So what I always say is, I'm like, you think about mental age, chronological age, um, an 18 year old today, their chronological age is that of an 18 year old. But where they are developmentally, sure. maybe that of a 16 year old, hmm. they didn't get the social connectedness. They didn't get to experience things like prom and football games and, you know, learning from teachers, learning from their peers, um, the ups and downs of say high school, freshman, sophomore year. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. They had a lot of time in isolation. And so that right there stunts development, stunts opportunities and puts any individual in a place of uncertainty. Mm -hmm. So what we try to do is to, connect with our partners, hear what those struggles are and say, okay, let's implement 
new strategies, techniques through our curriculum and professional development to connect with them, build relationships, establish trust. And that if you do those things, you cultivate change, Mm. right? It's paths and steps you have to take to have that immediate impact. Mm -hmm. One of the things that, and why I knew Athena was a great partner was we talked about in one of our early meetings being transformational Mm -hmm. instead of transactional. Yes. That's the key, right? Is putting systems in place that are meant to be transformational. Absolutely. Uplifting, Mm -hmm. creating a platform where individuals look at self Mm -hmm. and have a belief and a sense of resiliency where they can overcome the adversity that's in front of them, make better decisions, and then model those behaviors for other people. This is why this conversation is so important and what you've lifted, the partnership that we have. When we talk about moving beyond just a program, moving beyond just an initiative, like those, they work and they're intended for temporary impact. Mm -hmm. But the work that you all are doing is really about sustainability and longevity. And so I want to ask this question as you're talking about the partners that you are engaging and what you are doing, you know, with the Strive team and with others. Strive's programming is customized for educators and caregivers, many of whom, just as you begin to describe experience secondary trauma because of their work. What is secondary trauma? What is is there a secondary toxic stress that you've talked about? And how pervasive do we recognize that it is in our community? Um, yeah, I mean, there's so many individuals being traumatized in different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, ACEs, there's 10 different levels of it or, or different scores. And then now they're even saying things like heat hmm. and global warming. Because mm. um, if you think about, you know, imagine being on the 20th floor of an apartment building with no air conditioning in yeah. 95 degree temperatures, you're probably not processing things the same way as if you were in a comfortable air conditioned. Wow location. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. So I just read an article saying that heat would be another piece to now adding to adverse childhood experiences. The list just keeps growing, just keeps adding. <laughs> and then obviously another one is going to be something like the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's impacted everyone. The thing right. I will say about the pandemic is that because it impacted everyone in some way, we can no longer ignore mm the need for more support in the mental health space. Sure. And I think more individuals are talking about it. It's not as stigmatized or people aren't running from it. It's more of a sense of embracing it and saying, okay, now we need to put things in place to deal with it. We have to be more proactive instead of reactive. Sure. Something happens. Oh, we need to do something. Well, we could have systems and things in place and supports and funding and resources going to this. So we never even get to that point. And to your point about trauma reoccurring, Mm -hmm. it's very easy to re-traumatize marginalized groups. When you consistently take advantage of them by not following through with what you say, Mm -hmm. when you don't uh, show consistency, when you're not disciplined in, and treating them mm-hmm. as if you would treat somebody else, you know, you're approaching them in a dehumanizing manner. Right. And I think the other piece is 
when we talk at instead of talk with. Yes. You know, ask questions. Don't just tell somebody what needs to happen. Yes. And then I think as we peel back layers of self, who we are, Mm -hmm. and you're willing to open up to individuals and share your experiences, your background, that creates a space of safety where then they want to share with you. Now you're getting somewhere. Now you're bridging that gap. Now you're making a more impactful human connection Mm -hmm. and you can move on as far as building a larger platform for them to create change in their life. Mm. So I think we do need to focus on the re-traumatizing piece because if you're a person that's dealing with a lot of toxic stress and trauma and you go to somebody who you feel like you trust and they respond in a certain way, that's just going to, you're going to put the wall right back up and go right back to that space of protecting yourself by not Mm -hmm. opening up. It's like, Oh yep. Of course they did that to me. Everybody does that to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And we want to pay attention to that. Your language, the tone, your body language, eye contact, Mm -hmm. the distance you are from somebody, all of those things matter, especially when you're working with youth to show them that you care and provide that space and not re-traumatize them. So much of what you are saying to me is fundamentally rooted in dignity. Mm-hmm. And so much of the equity conversation is about our human connection, our human collaboration and how we engage together, but really that piece around dignity that you are talking about that oftentimes it is the marginalized communities, it's communities, you know, similar to Milwaukee and other urban areas. But I would argue across the globe that people are experiencing that level of trauma. What makes what Strive does different? Just as you've been describing sort of the approach of centering the voice of those that have been impacted by trauma, the recognition (laughs) that we all have experienced trauma in many, many ways. Um, But what makes it what makes what you do different? Yeah, I think uh, we have our our frameworks that we use um, to one's a behavioral change model that we embed in our curriculum. Uh, when working with youth. And then we have the other piece that's focused on relationship building, Mm. modeling certain behaviors kind of goes back to, you know, like I was talking about your tone, the body language, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, The importance of following those steps to bridge gaps and build relationships. Those are the two frameworks we try to model and also implement when working with partners. Mm -hmm. But I think the big thing is that we ask questions. We work with our partners Mm -hmm. to hear where they are, to hear what their needs are. And then we come up with a plan of action on how we can implement supports to meet those needs. And so we take the basic core frameworks and model that we have with curriculum and our workshops, Mm -hmm. and then we customize it to fit the needs of that partner. And I think that's what separates us instead of just saying, oh, one size fits all. Mm -hmm. Well, every partner is different. Right. And so they have different needs Mm -hmm. and they have uh, different levels of support required, which means, you know, how you're going to implement that strategy is going to look different, even though you could use the same 
concepts. Mm -hmm. You're just putting it in place in a different way. You have talked about in the past, and you alluded to this a little bit earlier, that you have your PhD. And we cannot have this conversation without you talking about your work and me lifting a word that we use quite often in the Strive space, which is resiliency, Mm -hmm. which is being hopeful. So I want you just to expound on what does that mean in your work? How has that impacted your life's work and the work that you all are doing at Strive 365? Yeah. um, So my working towards and getting my PhD was uh, people ask me all the time. They're like, yeah, why did you do that? Mm. And you're not a professor, you know, and you're not doing yet. Right. Right. (laughs) Research. I'm like, I taught, I taught courses for a while, but I wanted to be in the community Mm. doing the work, not just teaching other or telling or Mm. mentoring or teaching other people to do it. That's so good. I need to be doing it. Say that one more time. Doing the work. Doing the work. (laughs) Right. So um, especially in the city that raised me, Mm. the city I love, the city where my family is, my friends, no, no greater place to to create that Mm. and have that opportunity. And Milwaukee is beautiful. And I think Milwaukee is is prime to be supported and to be looked at in a way as saying like, that's a great city doing great things. Mm -hmm. And so having a PhD, I think just put me on a, a trajectory to do the work I knew I wanted to do. And one of the things that I talk a lot about is that nothing great comes without pain. Yeah. You have to go through the journey. You can't skip steps. Mm -hmm. You got to be willing to, to deal with uncertainty mm-hmm. and deal with doubt and deal with outside forces trying to pull you back to overcome it if it's worth if it's worth doing. And so happy I did go down that journey. And then I think that kind of is a catalyst, too, for, you know, the internal team we have at Strive. Mm-hmm. Every individual on in our team is fully committed to the work we do. And it doesn't just stop with the work. It's like, I also have to work on self. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Is it through education, continuing my education? Is it through certifications? Is it through building more relationships with the community? There's so many different ways to look at it holistically where you're saying, I need to look at it from all angles. And so we constantly, as an organization, have to develop. Mm -hmm which means that each individual person has to develop where you're going from micro to macro. Mm, That's good. We are even on team Athena. You made me think about sort of that macro micro in order for us to do this transformational work that you talked about. How do we move from transactional to transformational? We also have to evolve and develop as professionals and develop personally in our engagement. So I love that piece We have to talk about, speaking of resilience Uh and transformational, there's a little something going on in September, September 21st. September 21st, big (laughs) day. Talk to the people about what is happening. Big day. So um, for a while now, I had an idea of putting on an event for the community that talks about building resiliency within the community, the Milwaukee community, the state of Wisconsin, But what does that mean? How do you build resiliency? Mm -hmm. How do you connect with other people? So our goal is from this symposium that we have planned with Athena, one of the early conversations we said was, 
how do we get the message out that there's power in numbers mm -hmm. through collaboration and connecting, you know, organizations that are each in their silo. Yes. Realizing, hey, if we step outside of our box, build relationships with these other entities, we can have a greater reach, mm -hmm. expand to a larger audience, offer more support and with with all of us coming together instead of us just staying in our own lane. Yes. And so the goal of the symposium is to bring members of the community together, have a conversation, and then say, when you leave here, these are some action items. Don't just leave say, oh, that was great. The food was good. <laughs> right. I love being, you know, being in that atmosphere. Yes, you'll get all that. However, we want you to leave with active action plans or action items that you're going to go out, connect with more organizations, let them know who you are, learn who they are. Mm -hmm. And even if the two of you don't necessarily see anything connecting and maybe timings off, right. maybe they can refer you to another organization that can help you. Absolutely. Right. The ultimate goal is how do we reach more people in need in our community to make our city better? And so that's, that's really the idea of the um, symposium and just hopeful that we'll get a, a lot of people coming out and really interested in to participate. Yes. And, and this is something that we do every year. That's our, that's our plan. Love it. Well, you can register at stry365.com if you are interested in participating in, in the symposium and being actively involved with Strive. We encourage you to do that. But September 21st at MSOE yep. is when the symposium will be held. It will be. We're excited. A lot of people are already are partners, people in the community talking about it. So it's going to be a great event. And uh, thanks to Athena for their support and helping us put it together. We in it to win it with you all. So we are excited about that. Let me ask you this question as we are not only talking about the, the issues around resilience if you were providing some advice and counsel, and I know you are doing this not just on a daily basis, but probably multiple times out of the day, if someone was interested in the work that you are doing, but any of the work that we talk about that is about creating healthier communities uh, through the lens of equity, what advice or counsel would you give to them? I would definitely say um, it's a great question, um, but I think I think it's very important to have conversations, mm -hmm. right? Talk to other organizations, talk to colleagues, talk to members of the community, ask them questions. Mm -hmm. The why, like why do they do what they do? What's the purpose behind what they're doing? Yes. How can you get involved? Does it align with similar things that you feel personally you want to be a part of or, or to do because mm -hmm. everybody has a hand in creating the change. That's right. And we talked earlier about evolving mm -hmm. um, on a macro and micro level. You know, if you're looking at self, it's like how, if I can evolve, then I can assist in things evolving around me. But the only way you evolve is to leave your comfort zone Leave your your box, be willing to step outside of it and say, OK, I'm going to go against the grain, do something I haven't done, make myself uncomfortable mm -hmm. and learn more. Mm. We have to be willing to learn. And I think a lot of people want to teach, mm -hmm. but they don't necessarily want to sit and learn, mm. actively listen, 
and ask questions. And I think if we do that, that's where the power comes from. You are preaching a whole word today. (laughs) (laughs) I want you to know that. (laughs) So let me ask you this. What gives you hope? What gives me hope, I think, is the commitment that I've seen from the partners Mm -hmm. that we've worked with Mm -hmm. and conversations I've had with members in the community. Even we did a training last night and with a group and they just were so excited and they wanted to learn more. But then we learned as much from them as they learned from us. Mm. And that brings me hope because there are a lot of groups and individuals that are doing the work yes. or at least trying to get in the space to do the work. We just have to figure out a way to be more cohesive mm-hmm. and be more understanding mm-hmm. of differences and figure out, okay, it's not all about competition. Let's work together to have a greater impact. Absolutely. And I think just seeing seeing how people love this city, mm-hmm. people care about this city, that's what brings me hope. I love it. Switching gears a little bit, Dr. Brandon Curry, what is on your playlist? My playlist, man, that's caught me up. <laughs> I can't, I, I can't lie to you. Um, Cody, yes, just a couple of days ago, he, we were eating dinner. He's like, man, he's like, this, he's like, I don't know if you know Boosie. I do. Okay, so he, he's like listening to it, watching a podcast. And he's like, man, that, he's got so much energy, right? And I love his music, mm-hmm. but I haven't listened to him in a while. So the last two days I've been playing stuff and I mean, I'm just rocking out of my car. <laughs> you know, people are probably, I'm in a strive truck. Everybody's looking at me like, what's he listening to? <laughs> and you um, are banging Boosie. I'm okay. banging Boosie. But I also like some old school hip hop, Tribe Called Quest, mm-hmm. The Roots, Far Side, De La Soul. Um, when I listen to Slow It Down, I love Joe 112. R&B, you know, R&B. Chris Brown every now and again, it okay. just depends. But but mostly uh, old school hip hop, I would say. That's great. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate the work that you continue to do with Strive 365. Let's give it up for Dr. Brandon Curry. You are invited to come back again and again. And remember, folks, September 21st. September 21st. I, I appreciate taking time with me today. I want to thank Athena, too, for all the work they've done with us to this point. Very powerful partnership. We look forward to the future. And, yes, September 21st, please come out. Mark that on your calendar. We'd love to have you there. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for tuning in to On the Edge of Equity. Until next time. Thank you for joining us on the Edge of Equity. Please join our email list at info at athenacommunicationsllc.com so you don't miss a single episode. The link is also in the show notes. You can also support the show by sharing it on social media with your personal and professional networks, suggesting guests and topics for us to spotlight, and engaging in crucial conversations about systems change.